Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ormark on the World Show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, today, and our guest is Dan Bates. He's the CEO and founder of Impact PPA. He is a social entrepreneur who's about to launch an initial coin offering. You don't want to miss this discussion. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Devin. A pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure's all ours. We're really grateful that you would make the time for us, and we're excited to learn more about what you're doing. Let's start by the talking about Impact PPA. This the company is pre-revenue, uh, about to launch, but you have a long background in renewable energy. Tell us what Impact PPA will be doing and how you'll be drawing on your experience. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I've been doing renewable energy around the world for about the last 10 years. We've been providing wind pr- solutions and solar solutions to developing markets throughout the world. And as I've been going down this path, we've had a very, very good track record of installation and providing value to developing economies that are either lacking in power or there is no power there at all. And in those kinds of cases where there is no power or where it's inconsistent or non-existent, as I like to say, we have come up with solutions that meet the need. But one of the barriers that we've had historically is that Many of these countries starving for power need to have a solution whereby they can finance these projects. And historically, where do, what are their options? The World Bank, USAID, uh, under the Obama administration, they set up Power Africa. But all of these large legacy finance institutions are cumbersome, they're time-consuming, and they're expensive. You know, countries in need... They need power. They don't need to hire a lobbyist in Washington to try and get them a loan guarantee. They need power. So in the idea of starting Impact PPA, which was to go to the crowd, go to that crypto community that's interested in providing social good, that's interested in renewable energy, they, I think, for a large part, are believers in science and climate change. And we thought that in starting this venture, we would be able to bring a community of aware and concerned citizens to a community of people in need. And that's what the genesis of Impact BPA was. Right. Now, if I understand your plan correctly, you plan to uh, employ two different blockchain tokens. One token would be used as essentially a utility code token for the sale of power. And it would just be, in essence, a way of measuring uh, against a variety of local currencies, the units of power that you're selling, right? Right. The two-token model that we've come up with, the first token, we call it an impact token. Um, That is what a token purchaser would own. And that is what is used to help fund the projects around the world that value token, if you will, the impact token. Mm-hmm. The, way the, the way the energy is purchased by the end user, and that could be a guy in a small village, or it could be a utility company serving as a proxy. They will purchase energy from the system using a secondary token that we are calling the NRG, the energy token. And that 
will be specific to the various PPAs that we establish and support around the world. Uh, the impact token, what does the impact token, when someone buys an impact token, what do they get? They get a right and a voice in the community. They get, of course, the token. Mm-hmm. And with that come along the ability to vote on which projects should be supported and funded by impact and the community. Mm-hmm. There will also be some other rights included that we're working through the details on a program, for instance, of mentorship and sponsorship for various projects around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the details of which are still being defined and they will be available in our white paper shortly. Um, there are other features that we're looking to include um, around participation in the project. And we're still in the final stages of having our legal team vet that because we are being very, very cautious about how we launch this ICO, or as we're apt to put it, an ITO, initial token offering or token purchase, right? Regulation is coming from the SEC and we're cognizant of those things, whether we become a pure utility token or if we end up being a security. Those are the, you know, the deciding factors that are going to be fleshed out here in the short, short period of time. So as you're looking at this, what creates value for the impact token purchaser? Well, the impact token, we expect to be in demand. And I have to be careful the way I say this because I don't want to go into the securities world right. if, if, if we don't have to, right? But I think that as we develop projects around the world, the model that we have is the recurring revenue from the projects, from a power purchase agreement in Africa or Latin America or wherever, India, that recurring revenue will be fed back into the company so that each additional project can be funded either in part or in whole by the company. So if there's enough recurring revenue to fund the next PPA, we don't go to the community and sell more impact token. We fund it internally. The more projects we have, the more recurring revenue, the higher value the company will achieve, which will then, I would suspect, end up being recognized within the value of the impact token. I see. So Will the impact token uh, entitle the holder to ownership in the company? It will. At this point, it will give them ownership in the pool of token that is available. We are going to be authorizing about a billion token is the number that we're kicking around right now, of which I will be publishing a full use of proceeds and a breakdown of where those tokens will be distributed. How much are you hoping to raise with the ICO? We're looking to raise at uh, approximately $5 million in a pre-ICO or ITO. And then the target number that we have right now is $50 million in the full launch. That $50 million will cover the project financing for projects where we have contracts, physical contracts signed by a government or government entities, utility companies, in, um, in Africa, in Haiti, and quite possibly one project in Latin America. This is exciting stuff. So when you, uh, what's the timing you see at this point uh, to get this done? 
I think we're going to be out and with, you know, with our token defined in the white paper published within the next two weeks, quite possibly having this thing completed in the next 30 to 45 days. That's our goal. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, a pretty aggressive timeline and, and uh, a, a huge amount of money. <clears throat> now, uh, what led you to conclude this was the best way to finance your business? I think going to the community, going to the crowd, whether it's through a token sale, you know, potentially doing a reggae plus any number of crowdfunding mechanisms would work for this. What we're trying to do, and I think the blockchain allows for this, is be truly a disruptive technology. If we do this right, and I am convinced that we will, we will be able to change the energy finance paradigm around the world. Take energy finance off the plate of the World Bank. Let's keep it within the community of interested and concerned citizens globally where they can help societies around the world and lift them up through providing power. Power begets education. Education, of course, begets a better way of life, better quality of life. I think the blockchain community allows for that. The other piece that's very, very blockchain-centric is the management of energy on the, on the blockchain provided by renewable energy technologies. And that NRG token, as we spoke about earlier, we have it running. It works right now. In fact, I'm happy to show a, a demo anytime, anywhere of an end user having the ability to purchase kilowatts on a per hour, per day, per week, per month basis using the blockchain and having that ledger manage it all transparently. And uh, it needs to be easy for the purchaser of power to do so in local currency terms because we, do, we wouldn't anticipate a lot of, of uh, blockchain savvy among uh, rural villagers in Nigeria. Absolutely. Right, right. right. How, how do they so, access the power on the platform? Explain how they get the they make that transition from uh, cryptocurrency. I, I would argue that they are already more adept or inclined to be able to understand this than the average American. Mm -hmm. In that micropayment, microfinance is done in Africa on the M-Pesa platform. Mm -hmm. right? That's how you buy stuff. You buy it off your cell phone. If you need to replenish your account, you do so in fiat. And then you go to the local merchant and you pay for it on your phone. That's the same model we're building for blockchain. The customer of the power, if you will, whether it comes from a, a village microgrid being managed by the village, or if it comes from the government utility, that end user, that customer, they don't care what's under the covers. They don't need to know that it's a blockchain device that's running it. But what they do need to know is they can get power the way they normally charge their cell phone or they buy a loaf of bread. It's no different. So you're envisioning a system where they don't actually know their purchasers are, purchases are being affected via blockchain. We're not going to impose upon them a new language at all. We're yeah. just going to be able to give them the opportunity to now have access to energy, which they that, don't have right now. 
and it'll probably be via phone, but probably not via M-Pesa, right? It'll be an alternative to M-Pesa. Yeah, yeah, it'll be very M-Pesa-like. Yeah. Um, and it will be on a simple device. It won't require a smartphone. Uh, we have a customer right now that's looking to put probably 5,000 homes uh, on a pay-as-you-go model, because basically that's all we are. We're as a pay-as-you-go model, but using renewable energy. Sure. Uh, they're looking to do 5,000 homes connected to a smart meter. Their customer base does not have smartphones. They use, they're still using flip phones. They're using simple 2G technology. Right. So in this case, the smart meter may end up being on a swipe card. That swipe card could contain our blockchain code, go to the back end, and it's all managed on the ledger as opposed to them having to learn anything new or having to buy any sort of new device. These look, these folks can't afford a new device. We're right. giving the ability right now to buy inexpensive power. That's groundbreaking for them. Yeah. Well, there's tremendous demand for more uh, electricity uh, in the developing world. That, uh, you know, I suspect uh, you, you probably have the data, but aren't most people still uh, either lack access to the grid or don't have regular access to electricity? Well, the numbers that you see published currently are 1.4 billion with no access around the world. 1.4 billion. Um, the, um, <laughs> sorry about that. The, um, uh, the higher numbers, closer to 3 billion with limited access, it, you know, sporadic access. So we think that with this model of bringing inexpensive energy to these markets, we can quickly deploy, much more quickly than if we were to have to go through USAID or any of the legacy finance. I mean, the African Development Bank would love to be involved in many of these projects, but they can't get out of their own way to get them funded. Yeah. Literally, from the time of funding to installation, we can be looking as short as 60 to 90 days. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Now, what's the typical scale of the project you see doing? Uh, you know, great question. And I can't, the answer that I'll give you is we are doing a project right now in Haiti, 150 kilowatts. That project will serve energy to the hospital, to the school, and to government services. The remainder of that power will be piped out to the residents of a town called Lezewa. That was, Lezewa was destroyed, or at least their infrastructure was destroyed last year by Hurricane Matthew. So this is a rebuilding process. But it's 150 kilowatts. It's a microgrid. Right. right? right. It's teeny tiny. Yeah. You know, it would be, uh, would that be 10 homes in the United States or five homes? In the <laughs> 150 kilowatts, probably about 100 homes, 100. a little less than 100 homes. Um, you know, look, we all have big energy needs here in the U.S., right? 1,000 kilowatt hours a month. The, um, the average Haitian, it's probably 10 kilowatt hours a month. Yeah. They got a fan and a light, and they need to keep their cell phone charged. Yeah. So we can distribute that power out. It will connect to a smart meter. Uh, the project is completely expandable, so we will get to all 15,000 residents over time. But we're looking at a small 150-kilowatt installation and on up to 
I've got a power purchase agreement for a country in Africa for 22 megawatts, expandable to 100. Yeah, so a whole range of range of scales. But absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we've got projects in Sudan right now that are four cities. Each city is greater than 10 megawatts. Uh, we've been approached to do the capital city of Rwanda, Lesing, for about 50 megawatts. So it varies in, in scale. Um, and it doesn't have, you don't have to drop 50 megawatts on a customer all at one time. We can, we can ramp in slowly, bring five or 10 kilowatts and start serving communities in need. As the capital starts to flow, we can then scale these things up, expand upon them. Well, Dan, you're doing some things that I really admire in the developing world. That, you know, the need for clean energy is, is just uh, vital there uh, on so many different levels. I'm interested in who you admire, who you look up to as a role model. Oh, gosh, there's so many of them. Uh, climate change is a big issue for me. I firmly believe it. I might be a little bit more dire than most in its prognostication, but I think Bill McKibben is a great influence on what we've done. He's trying to really open people's eyes, really through education, right? Um, As far as the renewables space goes, shoot, anybody with a vision to try and create new projects, uh, of of course, you've got to go with Elon Musk, right, from what he's doing not just in the solar space or the automotive space, the solar energy space. Now he's building Hyperloop. I mean, we can use technologies to improve the lives, whether they're in the developed world or the undeveloped world. We've got to push the envelope. Yeah. You know, you're a talented guy. If you're doing anything, why have you chosen to do projects in the developing world and renewable energy? Because I love those five-star hotels that you get in, you know, Khartoum. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, you know, when I started this project 10 years ago, it was designed to be U.S.-based, U.S. urban residential. And wind and solar is needed in the United States. But we pay 10 cents a kilowatt hour hour average, and the lights always go on when you flip the switch. It's never a problem, unless, of course, an anomaly – right? A natural disaster like we've just experienced with Hurricane Irma. I met some guys in India. I traveled to India to see what the market would bear there. And literally, Devin, in every meeting that I had on my first trip, the power would go off and the generator would kick back on a minute or two later. And I thought to myself, I have a clean energy product. It's scalable. It fits anywhere in the world. Why am I looking at the United States as my sole market? The, the globe is my market. And we started exploring opportunities in India. I was able to build a factory there to manufacture our products in Hyderabad. We've, we have electrified over 150 or so off-grid rural schools already. We're selling the product to all sorts of people in, um, in, in the major cities as well as the rural areas. And then that expanded. It, you know, I, I have some colleagues in, that do a lot of work in Accra, and we did a couple of projects for essentially orphanages in Ghana. That took momentum, and we've, that beget other projects. And so I just decided, look, 
I can do good work. I can get up in the morning and feel good about our company and our products. And the developing nations are where I ended up. My favorite project that we have is a guy who has the smallest unit that we make, a 750-watt device that runs a fan. That's all it runs. But he lives in Nigeria, and he had a chicken farm. And his chickens were outdoors, and they were being eaten by the wild animals. He moved them indoors, but it's so hot that they died of heat. So now we said, take one of these units, take this DC fan, blow air through it, keep your chickens cool, and sure enough, he has a business now. And yeah. he feeds his family and his village. Yeah, great, great uh, anecdote. Now, Dan, what is your superpower? Uh, caffeine. <laughs> uh, I, you know, look, I don't have a superpower. My superpower would be hard work. I get up in the morning, I know what I've got to do, and I know how I've got to present our products and our company, and I do everything I can to push that forward. I don't have a superpower. I have a great team behind me, and that's what I think it takes more of than being able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, right? Being able to put people together in a room and everybody come out of that meeting focused and pulling in the same direction. No, fantastic. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Uh, before you go, take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Impact PPA. Okay, thank you, Devin. Well, very simply, if you go to the web, look at www.impactppa.com or follow us on Twitter, hashtag ImpactPPA. Uh, we will be putting more media out there as time goes by. And please follow us and check out the site. Fantastic. Well, Dan, thank you very much for being with us today. We wish you every success in lighting the world. Thank you very much, Devin. Pleasure to be here. Right. Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur, or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com. match donations up to $1,000. I'm Devin Thorpe, and I'm honored to serve on the board of the Community Foundation of Utah. It plays a critical role in Salt Lake County's Pay for Success program with a focus on dramatically reducing homelessness. The Community Foundation makes grants to a wide variety of nonprofits in our community and plays a unifying role, generously supporting both the LGBT community and the LDS Church. Please give what you can and share this campaign with your friends.